In the beginning, there was venture capital, and the VCs looked down upon the fragile small startups that they raped and pillaged for ludicrous profits and said, it is good. But a new breed of entrepreneurs looked upon the cruel and unusual treatment many suffered at the hands of the venture capitalists and said, there must be a better way. And so there was crowdfunding, and the entrepreneurs said, pound sand, VCs, it is good. Now, a new wave of crowdfunding has come upon our generation, the ICO. And today we'll speak with Howard Marks, co-founder and CEO of Start Engine, a crowdfunding platform that's expanding to allow regular startups to create their own ICOs. And it's not good. It's awesome. The old models are fading and new opportunity is arising for all in the world of blockchain. We're here to cover it for you in episode number 136 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, Who's bad? Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, then the crypto serious, and the crypto around the world is, as we are cross-hemispheral today with Mr. Travis Wright on the other side of the world. Yeah, I actually pounded some sand at the beach. I, uh, my feet <laughs> every time. punched it down every time I was walking. <laughs> it was good. Yeah, I'll bet it is. Uh, well, looking forward to having you back here on our side of the uh, the world. But um, did, when you went uh, to the other side of the world, did you did you circumvent a globe or did you just go straight across a flat earth? Um, you know what? It's really wild because what you do is you fly up north towards the Arctic, right? And then as the earth turns, then you fly down. So Whenever I flew from from Chicago to Hong Kong, I actually flew north, way up over Canada, and then down Alaska, and flew right by North Korea, and down China into Hong Kong. So you don't fly across the Pacific Ocean. We were we were not we were not um, over water very long at all. Did you wave to Kim Jong when you uh, flew by North Korea? Um, I did not. I did not want to provoke him and him have him shooting rockets at us on the plane. So I was trying to be cool. You could have had the pilot broadcast bad crypto, you know, as they could were going really close. I was listening to an episode nearby, so it might have been the nearest that bad crypto has ever been listened to over there. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Well, we have a great interview for you guys today. If you're not familiar with startengine.com, uh, this you know was initially created as a crowdfunding platform, and now they are paving the way for businesses to do ICOs. Mm -hmm. And you know, this is without the need for what? Um, well, actually, we'll find out in the interview. I, I don't want to go too far into it right yet. I, I have a question. You said. This is a great interview. Have we ever like prefaced an interview and we we're like, this is a really kind of a interview. I mean, it's not really that good. It's really bad. And uh, I don't think we've done that. So this one's actually really solid. I, en I enjoyed chatting with Howard Marks. He is a smart dude. Yeah. And he's not related to Richard. And um, for those of you that are children of the 80s, you'll get that. And the rest of you, well, you don't have to just get this interview and let's get on with it. 
Travis, how did people crowdfund before the ICO? Like, I thought the ICO was the beginning of crowdfunding. I I remember it. I I've seen lots of crowdfunding. Well, I've seen panhandling, mostly panhandling. <laughs> I remember back in the day we had a site called Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> there was Kickstarter. Then there was Indiegogo, and and then there's this company out there, which many of you may have heard of, called Start Engine. And with us right now, in the present, at this very moment, not in the same room, I don't know where he is, but probably on the West Coast somewhere, we have the CEO and co-founder of StartEngine.com, Mr. Howard Marks, not related to Richard Marks, because that don't mean nothing. And uh, welcome to Bad Crypto, Howard. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're, we're glad you're here. You've actually got quite a stellar bio. I'm just going to hit a couple of the highlights here. You were the founder and CEO of Acclaim Games. Uh, you published online games and that got acquired by a little company known as the Walt Disney Company. Previous to that, you were chairman of a game company called Activision Studios from 91 until 97. And uh, you helped turn Activision into a behemoth that it is today. In fact, I play a lot of Blizzard Activision games uh, still as a grown man and probably will until the day I die. And you've invested in over 60 companies and uh, that led you to realize that raising capital from angel investors and venture capitalists was a pain. And, And that brings us to here. Are those pretty much the highlights? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was the co-founder of Activision and for me at that point, we wanted to disrupt the game industry because most of the games are on these cartridges that people used on the Atari game boxes. And when the CD-ROM, which is now the DVD, came out, I was like, holy cow, you can do something so much more uh, with your video game machine than you could in the past with just little cartridges that were limited in storage. And so the disruption for us was to become an entertainment company by building these extraordinary games and realistic worlds before anybody. I mean, we did it with McWarrior. You probably remember that game. It was huge. And we were the first 3D game to use these 3D chips, which exists in every computer right now. If you have a decent gaming PC, you have a 3D chip with NVIDIA or one of those chips. Well, that was the early, in the early 90s, that's when it started coming out. And we said to ourselves, this is the future. And the Activision you see today is really is a result of this thinking. Yeah, it's it's definitely fascinating. You know, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in Activision. I mean, I I think what didn't Activision didn't that create the Pitfall game and some of those other beloved uh, Atari cartridge games too back in the day? Wasn't that That's right? So so yeah, David Crane created Pitfall all by himself. He wrote it, designed it, programmed it, did the music, did the sound effects, and all the graphics. One person. I've actually met him. He is a an interesting guy. He has some amazing stories to tell. I met him in uh, San Francisco, and uh, some of the games and stuff that he had created back in the day. And uh, we had just some some amazing conversations. So it's great to to have a conversation with you as well. And whenever we were doing prep for this, if you actually do a Google search for Howard Marks. There is one who is a Welsh drug smuggler who has a notor has notoriety as the international cannabis smuggler, but that's not you. That's not him. Well, not yet. We'll see. 
I reserve the right to to get that title down the road. He was Mr. Nice. You're not Mr. Nice. Uh, now depends on how you see it. I'm Mr. Nice for those entrepreneurs and the VCs. <laughs> I'm not Mr. Nice at all. They hate me. Well, be nice to us though, okay? Because we're we're bad. Okay. Well, you're cool, bad dudes. I'm just a bad dude. So we'll see what happens. Oh man, I'm <laughs> terrified now. Well, this is going to be the most edgy interview since the John McAfee one. StartEngine.com is the site. Why don't you uh, explain to our listeners what StartEngine is? So one thing happened in April 2012 when the Jobs Act was signed into law. No one cared about it. No one read it. And it was just one of those quiet moments that is a monumental shift in finance. And what happened is that Congress decided that we need a modern way to raise money for companies. And what it is, is to use the internet, to use email, use all of your social media, so you can actually solicit investors for small companies. And prior to that, that was a taboo. You were not allowed to say to people, I'm raising money. It had to be very hush-hush and private. And this Jobs Act changed the entire dynamic. Now, I read it when it came out and probably was one of the few people in this country that read it. And I said to myself, look, raising money for companies is a very bad experience for most people. It's biased. It has a lot of bias for gender, age, uh, religion, race. I mean, everything you want, because it turns out most of the people who receive money are white males from Stanford. Not everybody is. And I thought to myself that we have to change the way people access capital. And Start Engine was born out of that desire to raise money and help entrepreneurs achieve their dreams. You know what's great about that is I'm I'm familiar with that 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 act as well because when that came out, I was at Semantic and I was getting ready to spin out and start an agency. And one of my connections in California, his name's Thomas Carter. Uh, he had an idea. He had read the Jobs Act too, and that was the the whole thing of crowdfunding and. How do you take the Kickstarter approach and, and, and bring it to businesses? He created something called Equity Round. Uh, he also had Cap Value and some other projects. Now he's actually working on a company called Dealbox, which is a tokenized venture fund, right? So it's, it's gone full circle. People who were paying attention in the early days to the, to that jobs act and the ability to do crowdfunding, uh, has, that has evolved a bit. And now you're doing some pretty cool stuff when it comes to helping uh, companies basically launch their own ICO, ICO 2.0 with Start Engine. If you could maybe tell us a little bit about that, how does that work, and how do you protect these ICOs from the uh, the uh, the SEC and their security token bulldoggery? Well, it turns out when you want a perfect storm, you need two things to happen in order to do this. The first one was the Jobs Act. So the Jobs Act modernized finance and it allows the ordinary Main Street consumer to invest in these crazy startups and have a chance at the next Uber. The second arm of the perfect storm was the creation of Bitcoin, then the blockchain, and of course, the ICOs. Now, it turns out, I, I read about it about a year ago and didn't pay much attention to it until the SEC in, announced in a bulletin, which is the DAO bulletin for this coin called the DAO, that these things are securities. They're not utility tokens. They're not just little things you can pedal around like a token for, um, I would say, uh, one of the game machines. For example, if you go to a game parlor, 
they are securities because most of the time when they're sold, the thing doesn't even exist. So it's risk capital. You're risking your money for something that may end up being great. And when I read about it, I said, look, my, I get it. I think I can help. Why don't we bring the ICOs out of the shadows into regulation, which is the Jobs Act? And if we do that, we get the best of two worlds, which is you get modern financial, uh, I would say legal terms. And at the same time, you get this exciting cryptocurrency, blockchain, very exciting world, which I think is probably one of the most breakthrough technologies that has happened in the last 20 years. Yeah, very true. By the way, I actually came across Start Engine uh, looks like ten or eleven months ago because uh, I I'm not a fan of uh, censorship and not a fan of social media sites censoring those who have different opinions than uh, than the powers that be. And so I actually bought a couple hundred shares of Gab. Uh, gab.ai through their small OPO. And, you know, it, it's amazing because uh, the investing game has been reserved for the big money players. And, uh, you know, to be able to come along and, and throw just a little bit of money, I think it was $200, you know, to, to get 200 shares of this because I believed in what they were doing. I love that, uh, that we can do this using your tool. And now that you're getting into the cryptos, I believe that uh, T0 was your first ICO through the platform. Is that correct? Yeah, that's one of ours, and, and it's a very successful one. And going back to Gab, I have to tell you the story because – they were thrown out of Silicon Valley. They were ostracized. No one wanted to raise money for them. And when they came to us, guess what? We have a list we check. We say, okay, is this a cannabis? Because, you know, we can't do cannabis. It's, it's, it's not legal on a national level yet. So, no. Is it gambling? We can't do gambling unless it's, you know, because it's not federal yet. Okay, out. We don't do guns because we decided that's not right. And pornography. We just didn't want to do it. And we said, perfect, Gab is in. And I have to tell you, we got very few pushbacks from anyone. Everybody was excited to see them on Start Engine and invest. And they they just went over their, I mean, they raised quite a lot of money and, you know, just went over their, their goal and they were very excited. And I was excited to say, look, our job is not to be editors. We're here to remove barriers. We want to, we want to remove the barriers to access that exists out there, access for investors and, and the barriers that an entrepreneur faces every single day when they want to create their dream. Well, the fact that there wasn't, you know, a lot of pushback is just proof that Silicon Valley is a complete and utter bubble. There, the thinking there is not in line with the majority. Of, of people. Uh, and so I'm glad to see that took place. Well, Silicon Valley is an absolute disaster when it comes to allowing a diversified entrepreneur to, to be part of their ecosystem. It's really reserved for a certain kind of elite that I always call them the white males from Stanford. And that is not who our country is. This is not how we are, we were, and we will be. And so, yes, they are taking money from pension funds, which are schools, universities, and, and teacher unions, which are mostly women denominated, and they're money laundering that money into the hands of white males from Stanford. It's an absurdity. It's intolerable. I fully agree. I think that we need some diversity, and I love that's what you're doing. You know, you're helping helping build this out because Joel and I, that's actually how Bad Crypto sort of came in 
to play is we were looking for solutions about how do we make social media better. We were working with this with this team. Uh, unfortunately, the CEO was a little wishy-washy on his vision, so never really got anything rolling. But uh, Bad Crypto came out of it. And uh, you know what? We've been chatting with a lot of people who are trying to, to, to do some big things and to make the world a better place. And that's really why we do what we do is we want to chat with people who have big visions. We want to talk to those folks that are, that are bringing in the new economy and making it not just for, you know, as you mentioned, the white dudes from Stanford, but from uh, everybody else who's not from Stanford of all other colors who have good ideas, because if you have a good idea and can execute on that idea uh, and people want your product or want your service, then you should be able to uh, be able to execute on your idea. So how exactly does Start Engine work then? So say I I have an idea for an ICO. What what is the process that one must go through to uh, to to get rolling through what you guys are doing? Well, absolutely. Let's say you have an idea for an ICO, and you want to raise capital from a, a great group of people. So here's how it works: you come to Start Engine, whether you go online and you just register and click raise capital, and you can fill out the form yourself. Or you talk to one of our uh, salespeople and say, hey, look, here's what I'm trying to raise. And, they, and they'll tell you, okay, you can raise a million dollars this way. You can raise $5 million this way. And, and basically, ultimately, you can pick whether you want a lot of support or no support at all. Both ways work. When you want some support, it costs a little bit, a few thousand bucks. And if you don't want any support and you have your own way of doing self, doing yourself, self-service, great. You can go on Start Engine and you can go live and it won't cost you a penny upfront, which is great because again, we wanted to also remove the barriers even on our platform. I mean, the last thing we want to do is turn away great ideas. And so in this case, we don't look at the idea. We don't look at the gender. We don't look at the race. We don't look at your political affiliations. The only thing we look at, are you a duly formed company? Are you a real company? Are the people who are involved with you, any of them bad actors? If they are, we won't take them on the platform. Have you disclosed all of the things you need to say to your potential investors? Do you have your financials? They don't have to be audited for the first million dollars. And off you go. It's really that simple. So, Howard, how many projects do you have that are are gearing up to, to do an ICO now? So we have... Probably right now a couple dozen ICOs in the works. Most of them, just to talk a little bit more tech shop between us, are using the Regulation D 506C, which really means raising money from accredited investors. These are wealthy people who earn 200000 a year for the last three years and who are own a million dollars outside of their home in assets. They're liquid. These people get to invest under this rule. And so we are raising money that way. We're also raising money under the regulation crowdfunding where you can raise up to a million dollars. And that's from anyone. That's just Main Street investor. doesn't have to be accredited. And that you can do both regulation crowdfunding and regulation D together to raise more than a million. You can raise three to four million. Now, when you want to go to the big, big opportunity, we use regulation A plus where you can raise up to 50 million from the ordinary consumer. And that one takes a little longer, costs more money because the SEC has to review it and qualify it. All the things I've been talking about basically mean that you're issuing these securities type of tokens. They're basically tokenized equity. 
And these tokens are going to be able to be traded with companies like T0, Templum, and of course, Start Engine once we become licensed. So that's one thing that really fascinates me about this space is that, and I, and we've talked about this in the past where, you know, ICOs where the tokens don't have any equity value. They are just a utility, uh, but some of them are acting like securities. And then you have stocks, which are securities, which are traded on the stock market. And we sort of, just, there's going to be a time where these are merging into one and I can buy tokens. Uh, into a company, but that actually translates into equity of that company. If you can maybe explain a little bit about how the mechanisms of that work, I think our users and our audience will really find that fascinating because we can see how more and more how this is how the future of of crypto and ICOs will most likely work. Well, here's an analogy that I usually use for people to understand. The idea of the ICOs where they had the UT token, right? And that was sold ahead of the the blockchain application from being live. Well, what happens is they're selling you those tokens, okay? They are securities. There's no question about it anymore. There was questions about it six months ago, but now people are pretty clear about it. So if you issue these tokens that are going to be used on your blockchain application as a security, it's like going into Starbucks with a stock certificate and buying a cappuccino. Imagine the lady or the man behind the counter that says, okay, hold on a second. Uh, this is a stock certificate in, in Starbucks. I have to call the transfer agent. I have to make sure there's no money laundering. I have to make sure that you're, I know who you are. There's no bad actor. And then what do I give you back in change once I give you a cappuccino, like more shares? And it's, it's, it's not going to work. It's unwieldy. And a lot of people don't think about those things. So what we're advocating. Well, let, let me stop you a second there, Howard, because you're, you're talking like that's conclusive. And, and I don't know that, you know, the SEC has said that. We've heard a lot of conflicting stories. Um, is this just your interpretation or do you, you know, is, is this definite that tokens, you know, utility tokens are securities? Well, you know what? You're right. I don't have, I have opinions here to offer you. I don't have any facts because there's only one court case. Well, not even a court case, just there's one enforcement action against a company that was done last year by the SEC that is somewhat a good analogy that a lot of these utility tokens, unless they were sold when the blockchain application existed, are considered securities. And I, I, my opinion is that I think a lot of the lawyers you'll find today are not going to want to issue utility tokens unless the blockchain application is indeed fully operating. That means the product is done, it works, and the token that's being issued is being used really for this application and not for a speculative investment. That's how I see it. Thank you for clarifying that. Appreciate it. Now, down the road, there are rumors, there were dozens and dozens of subpoenas. These are nice pieces of paper you receive in the mail that ask you to reply to information that the SEC may require or the states. Each state has a state administrator. And there are rumors that a lot of people receive them that has tampered the market for utility tokens. And the reality is we don't have facts. But I think my goal for entrepreneurs is to keep them safe and make them successful. So I'm not looking for the entrepreneur who is looking to scam people and steal the money. I'm looking for the entrepreneur who wants to build something of substance and and make their dreams come true. And I want them to be safe. 
the idea that they will go out there, issue a utility token, and not understand what they're doing, and then next thing they get in trouble, and they get an enforcement action against them, and they can't sell securities for the next 10 years, they're destroying their careers. That's it. Game over. And that's not interesting, frankly. That's counter to what my mission is, is to help them achieve their dreams. So in many ways, thinking about this way, if you consider your ICO as security and you use the rules that I just mentioned in this podcast, I think you're better off. That's my view. Now, what what happens to, you know, a lot of the, the innovators who are just packing up and saying, okay, screw America, I'm going and setting up my business in Malta or Gibraltar or, or uh, Singapore or some of those other countries that are more friendly to this. It seems to me from the conversations that we've had is most people are shying away from doing business in America or setting up their crypto company in America. They're going to go do it elsewhere. So isn't that, isn't that not good? Well, I think that's a myth, frankly. I think there will be some who will do that, frankly. And that's how it is. It's nothing we can do about it. But I have to tell you, we live in the greatest country in the world. It's a country that has extraordinary talent and resources. And we should all take advantage of it. The idea of going to Malta or to the Grand Cayman and one of those countries where this, you know, those SEC rules are written on one page. I don't think people want to do that. I think people want to live here. They want to operate here. The minute you get one American investor, then you're on the hook because I don't care whether your company is in Malta, Gibraltar, wherever it is, you're on the hook because the SEC has a responsibility to protect every American investor, U.S. persons, by the way. So I, in many ways, you can argue, well, let's throw everybody into a better jurisdiction. My argument is, no, we have the JOBS Act. We have everything we need. The only thing we're missing right now is to demonstrate and prove that our alternative trading systems that we're building right now are going to be a superior product for investors. What does that mean? Most of the so-called exchanges out there that you know about, like Bittrex and Kraken and those guys, are not regulated enterprises. That means they could do front-running. If there's a pump and dump, they're not stopping it. They're not holding the trading of these tokens. I mean, there's a lot of things going on that is pure fraud that exists that could be remediated. But again, these companies are not held accountable to anyone. There's no FINRA coming in and checking on their trading logs to see if, if they're actually doing the right thing for the investor. So you have to decide which side you want to be. I think those regulations that were created, if they're used properly, will benefit the investor. And at the end of the day, it will benefit the entrepreneur. It will benefit which investor? Because the way that it's set up now is that it, it benefits that accredited investor who's, in, who's already rich. They already have a million dollars or more. They're making $200,000 a year. That's who it's benefiting now. And what about the small investors who want to just invest a little bit? Is Will Start Engine be able to continue to help those guys who are wanting to throw in $200 or $100 or $5,000? Because it seems just like the, that the rich are the ones that are getting that preferential treatment when it comes to the SEC. I agree with you. It's ridiculous. But the Jobs Act actually solves the problem that you just mentioned. It solves it with two regulations. One, is regulation crowdfunding, which is that $1 million limit I mentioned to you. That's a Main Street investor. And regulation A+, which I think is the gold standard, up to $50 million a year can be raised using that. That takes care of this. 
I agree with you. I am completely against the idea that the rich keeps getting richer and that the access to great opportunities are closed to the ordinary investor. That is un-American. That is no longer acceptable. But guess what? The Jobs Act has solved it. And only in our country, because if you go to other countries, they don't have the Jobs Act. So explain to me, I'm looking at the site now, and for example, I'm just pulling up some of the current campaigns, and uh, these guys will probably be happy. I have no relation to them, but I'm just going to pick on them because it popped out at me. The company is called Zen, and it's a blockchain-powered video network. Uh, Now, this is a Venice-based company, and yet you can invest, uh, even if you're not a reggae investor, you can invest, you know, $100, uh, you know, and, and up to do this. So how can, how can you do that as a U.S. investor if this is not a reggae um, deal? It is actually a regulation crowdfunding deal. Some people for shorthanded are calling Reg CF, but it is a rule that is called Title III of the Jobs Act and was instituted in May 16 of 2006. Okay, so why it is available now to any So why can't uh, is it because they're on your platform and you guys are all, you know, SEC compliant uh, that they can do this? Because other ICOs we talk to, they they aren't able to do this in the U.S. Yes, they can, but they have to be on the funding platform. And the only there there are about twenty out there on in the U.S. market, and we're the only ones doing ICOs uh, as a funding platform. And it's a different designation than a broker dealer. But we're still registered with the SEC and we're a member of FINRA as well. Well, I I would think then these ICOs that would be just flocking to your platform so that they could have U.S. investors. Is it a lack of awareness or am I missing something? And obviously, uh, you know, you're a founder of the company, so I know you have nothing but good things to say. But what questions should I be asking here? Well, here's the, the real conundrum that I think your listeners will understand. If you go on Start Engine and you do an ICO using regulation crowdfunding, you can raise up to a million dollars and that's the limit. So a lot of companies are saying, no, 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 I want 50 million. And I was like, yeah, come on. Why do you need 50 million? No, no, I need 50 million. So then I tell them, look, you can start with regulation crowdfunding for a million and then do regulation A plus, which is needs to be run through the SEC for their review and qualification. And then they look at me and they say, well, I don't want to do that because I want to issue UT tokens because then I can list them on Bittrex, on Kraken, on all of the different other exchanges, Binance, and that's what they want to do. And I have to say to them, look, I can't help you with that. I That's not going to work. We help entrepreneurs raise the capital using the regulation, which is the JOBS Act, but we're not going to do the other stuff. And our secondary marketplace in the future, once we're licensed and the ones are T0, we're working extremely hard, all of us, to provide that answer so that when you go out and raise money with an ICO, there is a liquidity marketplace for your investors. Because or not, they have to wait, what, five, seven years before they can sell their shares? That's ridiculous. Tokens, blockchain, cryptocurrency have revolutionized something that is fundamental. It is mass market. It's no longer the rich getting richer. It's actually anyone who can participate can. But unfortunately, they were going with no regulation. And, you know, we're a country of laws, as we know. And that's what happened. They, they, the SEC came in to shut down a lot of these 
uh, ICOs. And uh, it's unfortunate. I'm, I know that's not my doing. So I found a solution for them. And here it is in front of you. This company is raising money. Very nice. So there is an option. So if you're not trying to raise the 50 million or the $200 million ICOs, you want to start small up to a million dollars. Uh, start engine is definitely an option. Is there any other things that uh, maybe our audience should know about start engine before we wrap up the, uh, the podcast? Well, I, I, I want your audience to understand this, that the future of our country lies on entrepreneurs who create amazing companies and they hire people and pay them new kinds of salaries, new kinds of opportunities, because a lot of the jobs that we've lost in our country may not come back. But this is going to work. Our entrepreneurs, if we can give them the financing they need, they will create the jobs we need. And we're going to be a very competitive country and very successful country for the future. And I think my mission and your mission for your podcast is we're in line. We're here to try and build a new economy. And I think the cryptocurrency, the blockchain, all of these new ideas, which are I think were invented in the United States, are going to further this, and I hope to be part of it. You know who Satoshi Nakamoto is? I heard it's the, he's from L.A., but I have no idea. I wish I knew it. I could reveal it on your show and give you the scoop, but I can't do that for you. Yeah, we, we just we want to know. A couple other people might want to know, too. So Howard Marks, the co-founder of StartEngine.com. Uh, Howard, thanks for sharing this with us, and I think it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Thank you. You were right, Travis. That was not a crappy interview. I think it was that good. That was not. It was pretty solid. Yeah, Mr. Howard Marks knows what's up there. He's doing some really cool stuff. I mean, that Jobs Act, when I saw that back in 2013, I could feel this tide shifting because I've, I've always wanted to like, you know, there were some really cool things on Kickstarter, but I was like, this is great. And I want to support your product, and but I'd like to support your company. I'd like to crowdfund and, you know, maybe spend a thousand or 10,000 and buy into your company, sort of like, you know, advanced, you know, venture capital, sort of angel, ca angel capital uh, in a whole brand new way. And so that's kind of where we, that's kind of where we were on that. And now with the jobs act and with crowdfunding and, and with Howard there at start engine and with crypto, we can do a whole lot of new stuff. Absolutely. So it's going to be exciting to see what projects come out of that. Uh, you know, what else is exciting? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things that are exciting. I, I was constipated for a day and then I was really excited whenever I was no longer constipated. So that was exciting. That is news. No, what I was actually referring to <laughs> are some of the new funny uh, reviews that have come in via iTunes. And of course, we promise you guys that if you put funny reviews, especially if they're five stars on iTunes, that we will read some of them. And we have three for you today from Kinda Big Deal 01. Honestly, I love these bad mofos. They're no fad. They're more like blockchain, not like French rolled acid wash jeans, which I used to crush with my sambas. The jokes are so bad, sometimes I spit my coffee up and feel ashamed about myself because I get these guys. They're very approachable and ask the right kind of questions without fear of losing compensation from the future star-studded guests. But Well, they don't pay us anyway. The, well, some of them do. Bottom line, they're here as part of the community they've built over countless hours of editing and traveling to conferences to produce extremely solid content for the masses. Stay bad, you mofos. What? Why they call us a mofo? That wasn't nice. Because you're a mofo. I'm a mofo. I like this one. A decent option 
when battling Seattle traffic, I suppose. <laughs> a decent option. I love being a decent option. As I reluctantly clicked on the notification of a new podcast, I can only hope that the 70-year-old heavy smoker grandma, Casey Kasem persona, we all suffered through during the top 10 <laughs> countdown, would not make it another appearance. Much to my delight, it did not. After 53 minutes, I still have no idea what the hell Dragon Chain is, but at 60 cents, it might be worth a shot. Keep up the bad work, guys. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's Bubba431, and it's actually not a decent option. It's a descent option. So, that, like, we're, That is true. We're going down. Yes. We're going down. That makes your review even funnier. Uh, finally, Mojo. 8383 says, like sand through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. I'm a stay-at-home mom with a little income coming in from a small photography business. I'm getting really tired of watching daytime television and eating bonbons all day, so I decided to be more productive. Though it may be small, I decided I wanted to start investing my income. I've been interested in cryptocurrency for a while now, and as a novice, recently started listening to this bad podcast. These guys are hilarious, complete with breaking into song and using some impressive accents i've particularly enjoyed the recent party pooper reference I, do you know what she's referring to i don't remember the party pooper you don't remember the party pooper reference because did you poop it poops the parties oh right <laughs> <laughs> i have enjoyed it and have been binge listening uh, and binge pooping perhaps the pooper poops at parties why do you <laughs> poop at parties <laughs> I feel like this is almost a crossover comedy podcast. Almost, not quite. The information is presented in an easy-to-understand manner is the only thing I've had to think about recently is who is the next Bachelor is going to be. It's nice to have something I can listen to with my kids in earshot or if I want to put in earbuds to drown out the monotony of sibling fighting. It's a great option. Thank you for the info. It would be hilarious if I beat out my financial advisor husband and investments. Shh. LOL. <laughs> Thanks, Mojo. We are glad that uh, you don't have to watch The Bachelor or horrible daytime television. Don't be a party pooper, Mojo. <laughs> it's very nice. Don't, 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 don't be a party pooper with your financial husband's investments. I wish I had something funny to say right now. I just don't. I'm feeling incredibly unfunny because you're crushing it. It must be that beach. <laughs> it must be all the pounding sand that you're doing over there. I did. I'm very refreshed now, Mr. Joe Tom. Well, we want your reviews as well, so please go wherever it is you review, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Facebook, or any of the other places that accept your typing and your stars, and uh, and make that happen. And as always, thanks for listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Please be a friend to somebody. Tell them about the show, because that's what friends do. Oh, stay bad, everyone. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. What is that? I'm not sure what that is.
What is that? Phone ringing. I think it's their phone. Okay. Who's bad?